Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while the water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant, who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. The Lord said, No, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that I enjoy about parenting, and there are many, but one of the things that I enjoy about parenting is the excuse to watch Disney movies. Even before the theater shut down, I may not have seen any but the largest of their blockbusters in the multiplex, but still, we end up catching most of the major releases. Apparently, as part of an effort to simultaneously keep hold of their copyrights and make money, They've done some live-action re-releases of their classics just before those names would enter into public domain again. And they've done this with a number of their princess movies, including one tale as old as time, Beauty and the Beast. And I appreciate some of the nuance that's available in the live-action movies. The movie Beauty and the Beast is fleshed out a little bit more as the curse that takes place at the beginning of the tale where a young, vain prince is entertaining all his beautiful subjects when a woman who was old and wearied in her appearance arrived at the door seeking shelter in exchange for a rose. This young prince rejected and mocked her only to find that the woman was in fact an enchantress who had placed before him a test. Needless to say, this young man failed. He and his castle fell under a curse and the beastly character of the prince took on a beastly form. It emphasizes his selfish vanity far better than the animated version, I think. But it makes me wonder, 
Would he have done things differently? Would he have responded in a different way if he had known the power of the one who was paying him a visit? Maybe sometimes the point is we don't know exactly the nature of the visitor, but that our character is revealed regardless of who makes their way to our doors. That's what we find in this morning's passage. There are a couple of different things at work here, and I like to throw out the occasional 25-cent word, so here's one for your Scrabble boards. When we talk about the reality of evil in a world where there is a God, that is called theodicy. God is good, but evil exists. That problem is called theodicy. When we talk about that, uh, today we're looking at a different subject, God making an appearance in personal form, and we call that theophany. Theophany, it literally means to show God. In Genesis, when God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, that was a theophany. The event of the visitation of Abraham is a theophany. The whole event of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is theophany. So God shows up and makes an appearance. Do you notice something interesting about who shows up in this morning's passage? It's not just a single person representing God, right? It's, it's three three arriving at Abraham's tent. So part of our Christian heritage, even in the Hebrew text, reminds us constantly that the Lord is one, one God. But for Christians, that one is revealed to us in three persons, so to speak. So even here, when Abraham sees the three visitors, he still addresses the whole of them as my Lord, as though they function as one singular unit. So straight away, you get this sense of God as three yet one. It's almost like Scripture is giving us a thousands of years beforehand heads up about some of what we come to understand about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in light of Jesus Christ. Anyway, here's this this theophany of three visitors dropping in on Abraham at his campsite in the desert. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. You never know when God is going to stop by, but God may just stop by. You never know when God is going to stop by, but God may just stop by. Scripture begins, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, Jesus, you stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you have said. Have you ever had your whole day changed just because somebody drops by? I mean, I get that in pastoral ministry every once in a while, though not quite as often these days. Back in the B.C. times, the before COVID times, folks might stop in because maybe they're having some kind of a bad day. And I know myself well enough to know that I can respond well or poorly to my visitors' needs, and I confess that the quality of my response usually has more to do with my mood, energy, and amount of rest I've had, much more than it has to do with my understanding and head knowledge of God. That's a place that I know God is always going to be working on me. But have you ever had your day made because a a friend just happened by and was in town for lunch? Or a family member surprised you by taking you out to dinner? You're going about your business when somebody came in and just completely blessed your day. Abraham was a traveling herdsman. These folks toured the desert in search of a good fertile place to be able to pasture their herds and to set up camp for a bit. Abraham had been doing pretty well in his homeland of Ur, but several chapters back in Genesis, God told him to set off in a direction of God's leading. 
The Lord told Abraham he'd be a blessing to the nations and that this old and childish, childless man would be a father of many. Then one day on the way to doing what God told him to do, God just stops by. Now, I'm not sure how Abraham seemed to know that it was God coming to visit. The scripture says nothing about the appearance of these three visitors or how Abraham seemed to pick up on this reality. It doesn't offer a divine introduction. It just assumes that we get it as well, that Abraham simply knows the Lord. Of course, he was going to give God his very best hospitality. But we may not always know. We're, what if we're uncertain about who it is that we're serving? What if we don't know it's God stopping by? What can we do? Well, scripture fortunately provides us with a really easy way to solve that. We find it in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. So when in doubt, we just err on the side of showing hospitality, like it's God dropping by for a visit. And this also leads to a question, though, and that's our second lesson. Which comes first, the presence of God or the willingness to show radical hospitality? Which comes first, the presence of God or the willingness to show radical hospitality? Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, Hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough, and bake some bread. And then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. And when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted the meat and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. You've maybe heard the sayings, chance favors the prepared mind or the harder I work, the luckier I get. I wonder, did God's presence kick Abraham's hospitality up a notch? Maybe so, but there's a chance that God chose Abraham to be the guy to blaze the trail towards his promised land and to found a great nation of descendants because God was already aware of Abraham's character. He was going to give his best and sacrifice in service and honor to God. And by that, I mean, he was going to tell his wife and servants to do it. Because let's be real, Abraham was more of a broker in this scenario, but even still, he called forth the best that he had to offer. I've heard and I believe that God doesn't only call those who are equipped for a specific role, but God equips those who are called into service. The willingness to step into service often precedes the gift required for that service. And I think that the willingness to step out in faith is an aspect of character. See, more than skill, character can show how somebody will do in a specific role. I have a friend who does a lot of hiring, and he once described a situation where someone he knew pretty well was wanting to come work for him. But like I said, he knew the guy pretty well. And he shared with me, if I ever need to hire somebody who shows up late and unprepared, I know exactly who to call. There are folks who have shown their character, and maybe they've shown that they aren't the type of people who can come through. Maybe they won't come through for others. Maybe they won't come through for God. And so maybe we don't recognize that God has already paid them a visit. And what we do when God shows up matters. We see this often in the ways that people treated Jesus. There's a, a story of when Jesus went to a dinner party where he was invited by Pharisees to be the honored guest. And so Jesus went to the home of one of these religious leaders. He sat down to eat, and there was an immoral woman from the city nearby that heard he was eating there, and she had this beautiful alabaster jar that was filled with perfume, very expensive perfume. And so she knelt at his feet, weeping, and her tears fell at his feet, and she wiped off his feet with her hair. 
And then she kept kissing his feet and pouring perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said, if this man's a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is at his feet right now. She's a sinner. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And the Pharisee told him to go ahead. Jesus told the story of a man who loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other, and neither could repay, so he forgave them both, canceling their debts. And Jesus asked, who do you suppose loved him more after that? The Pharisee responded, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And to that, Jesus responded, that's right. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon the Pharisee, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows little love. And Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Between the guy who was professionally religious and who didn't show Jesus honor, and the woman who is professionally not religious, but who showed honor to Jesus, only one is lifted up as an enduring example of great love. A well-prepared meal in the shade of a tree in the desert. Maybe the sacrifice of tears and perfume. Scripture upholds these as great hospitality. And please notice this, in God's economy, the generosity of the hospitality isn't in, measured in the amount, but in the attitude and the sense of sacrifice. I look at some of the best ministries St. John's has to offer that serve the community, and it's not surprising how many have to do with food. In more usual times, we're hosting funeral meals that feel very much like a, a hug to people who enter in and experience that type of hospitality. The Mission Garden has produced just over five tons of vegetables for local pantries for hunger prevention service. The families of our Vacation Bible School raised over $100 for the local Sacks and Twigs feeding program. What we're serving may not be bacon-wrapped filet mignon. It's simple, and it's good food, and it's provision given in love with much effort. And why do we care so much about the people that we serve in that way? Well, we read why in Matthew 25. Jesus tells a parable about the separation of sheep and goats and how they came to be found in their separate areas. And he said to the ones who had neglected to offer hospitality and care, you saw me naked or hungry, or you didn't come see me in prison or visit me when I was sick. And what you didn't do to the very least of these, you did not do unto me. See, they didn't recognize Jesus in those times. But he said to the righteous, those who did offer hospitality, when I was sick, you came to visit me. In prison, you came and saw me. When I was naked or hungry, you took care of my needs and sheltered me. They didn't recognize him either, but he said, what you did to the least of these, you did to me. Jesus tells us the way that we treat the lowest rung on society's ladder of importance, the hurting, the vulnerable, that's the way we treat Jesus. See, God drops by. In his With God Daily devotional this week, Christian author Sky Jatani talks about how the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous, the sheep and the goats, 
In that story, it wasn't the ones who recognized Jesus and the ones who didn't. Neither group recognized that it was Jesus before them. Neither did. But the ones who pleased their king showed grace and hospitality anyhow. Anyhow. Our third lesson this morning is this. Blessing God can open new doors for God to bless our lives. Blessing God can open new doors for God to bless our lives. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. I love this. Sarah thinks she can pull one over on God. She's roughly a bajillion years old, but she's still acting a little bit like a defensive adolescent. The visitors basically told her, I literally saw you do that. And she's like, no, you didn't. I didn't do it. But here's what else we can see in this scenario. Abraham is in a hard journey in faithful obedience to the Lord. God stops by, and Abraham doesn't sit and tell the Lord about how tough the journey is or the way that the sand here isn't as nice as the sand back home in Ur or anything like that. He sees God and bows low before his honored guests. And in showing that his heart is right in following the Lord, God continues with the promise of an heir for Abraham. This is simply a part of being faithful with the journey that is set before him. Because Abraham proved that he was faithful in this moment, he would be given the opportunity to be proven faithful with another. Maybe God is stopping by wherever we are this morning to prepare us for the new challenge and new day that's still ahead of us. The question for us is, will we be ready? Even if Jesus shows up in the form and face of a stranger, are we ready to give our very best? Will God find faithful obedience? Will God find in us hospitality and gracious character? It's my hope and prayer that we will offer that hospitality whenever God stops by. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to know that you visit your people, that you come to us, that you are present with us, and offer us the opportunity to be faithful in showing hospitality. God, those, those opportunities look very different now than they might have in other times. But even still, when we see the faces of strangers, when we see those who might be the image bearers of our God, we have the chance to show them honor, and in doing so, to honor you. So we ask that you would continue to allow us the gift of acknowledging your presence with us, and to do that by acknowledging your presence in the faces and the hearts and the lives of others. God, even though it may be challenging at times, even though we may not know how we can muster up the courage to do that, the resources to do that, we know that nothing is impossible with you, that all things are possible with our God, and we are grateful. We love you, Lord, because you have so richly loved us first, and we offer ourselves in grateful response. 
All this we pray in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.